What is this? Are you trying to trick me? What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today it's another Best of Storytime episode. As you guys probably know by now, I don't really rerun episodes. I pull highlights from previous episodes and put them together. Some of my favorite stories, some of your favorite stories just to bring back stuff that I like talking about or that I hope you like hearing about. Today we've got some excerpts about superstitions, about one of my favorite words, balderdash, about unnecessary worry, and one of my favorite stories, which is about why I protect my balls on Halloween. So sit back and relax, enjoy the stories. If these stories are new to you, I hope you enjoy them. If you've heard them before, I hope you enjoy them again. This is the best of story time. There's lots of things that happen in the house that are supposed to be bad luck. Some I believe, and some I don't. Breaking a mirror, seven years bad luck. Do I believe that? Uh, Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but I kind of do, so I don't ever like to break a mirror. Now, why is it seven years bad luck? Well, seven has always been a lucky number or an unlucky number, so it's one of those standard numbers they use. Three and seven were always early good luck numbers or bad luck numbers, depending on what the context is. So seven years bad luck for breaking a mirror is a long period of time, but that's one of those magical numbers. And the reason you're supposed to have bad luck is, and this goes back to the early days of when they thought that a mirror actually holds bits of your soul when you look into it. So if you're looking into it and you break it, you've shattered pieces of your soul. And for seven years, you're going to have bad luck because of that. But there are possible cures for that. You can reverse the curse, as it were. And I didn't know this until years later, because yes, I did research this kind of thing. (laughs) In case you have bad luck, how can I erase the bad luck? Let me think, there must be a cure. So yeah, I looked up the cure. They're just as weird as the seven years bad luck for breaking a mirror. But, (laughs) and you can write this down in case you break a mirror. If you take a piece of the broken mirror and go to a nearby cemetery and rub the piece of the broken mirror on a tombstone, that's supposed to reverse the curse. Or, if you don't have a cemetery nearby, you can take the broken piece of mirror and grind it up into a powder and sprinkle it to the wind. And then that'll make your seven years of bad luck go away. And I'm sure you can hear the smile in my voice, because as I say this, I know how ridiculous the belief is. I know it makes no sense. An educated person sitting here saying, yep, I'm going to get seven years bad luck for breaking that mirror. But our minds are weird, and that's one of the things that's stuck in my head. By the way, I have not gone to a tombstone and rubbed a broken mirror on it. I have not gone that far. But in case I ever need to reverse the curse, at least I know how to do it. Now, there are other superstitions that I I just never bought into. I never got them. Which is going to sound weird from the guy who just said, yeah, if I break a mirror, I'm going to have seven years bad luck. But I I know, as I sit here talking about it, it sounds ridiculous even to me. And this is my stuff. I know it's in my head. And it doesn't make logical sense, but it's there for a reason and it's just nothing I can do about it. So I just live with this. This is what I live with, what's swirling around in my head. So I think it's logical to have seven years of bad luck for breaking a mirror, but I think it's totally illogical for people to believe that a rabbit's foot brings you luck. 
Yeah, I can't justify that reasoning either. As much as I try to sit here and figure it out, I can't justify it. A rabbit's foot brings good luck. Why? Why? I've looked it up. It, it, even the explanations don't make sense. And when it comes right down to it, maybe it'll bring you good luck, but it sure wasn't lucky for that poor rabbit. Now, was it? I think that's the thing that bothers me the most. Something that's supposed to bring you good luck was really bad luck for the rabbit because he had the foot and now he doesn't. So I never got that one. Another animal-related one is the black cat. Black cats crossing your path are supposed to be bad luck. Now, this goes back to the days when people believed in witches. And witches and their familiars, is what they were called, were black cats. So a black cat was a witch's familiar, and if a black cat crossed your path, it was a sign that there was bad luck heading your way. Now, I never believed that, maybe because I didn't believe in witches, but I never, I've never been bothered by a black cat. I've never seen the logic behind the black cat one. And yet, I do see the logic in keeping garlic and holy water nearby, just in case a vampire happens by. I know, I'm very, very weird. I don't really believe that there are vampires. I really don't believe that there are vampires. But I do keep garlic in the house, just in case. And if I don't have actual clothes with garlic, I know exactly where the garlic powder is because I figure even a sprinkling of garlic powder will probably be worth something. Maybe it'll make the vampire sneeze. But at least I've got something garlicky in the house just in case the non-existent vampire makes his way into the house. The other one that I love is Balderdash. Now there's a game out there called Balderdash and it's a it's a word game that involves making up words and phrases for people to believe or not to believe. But the term Balderdash actually means senseless talk or senseless writing. And me being the word nerd that I am, I actually dug into this and I dug into this years ago because I was trying to figure out well what the hell is Balderdash? Now, I remember some of this stuff, but I've, I've looked up some of this stuff in the spirit of full disclosure. I've looked up some of this stuff to refresh myself on it. And I, as I read this definition, I go, oh, yeah. Balderdash comes from the 1600s, believe it or not. It's a phrase that was used to describe a combination of liquids. Weird, right? Balderdash and a combination of liquids. But that's where it comes from. Now, some sources say it described beer mixed with wine, which is disgusting. Some say it's beer mixed with buttermilk, which is even more disgusting. But it became to be associated with the mixing of frothy and bubbly liquids. And as a result, somehow it became associated with frothy, bubbly language, senseless talk, useless talk. Now, no one knows why. And to me, that's one of the cool little mysteries of language. You have this word, it developed somewhere 500 years ago, but no one knows exactly why. And yes, that's the word nerd in me. I'm curious, but that's one of the things we'll never know. We'll never know where that came from. And that's where my imagination kicks in. And that's why I love this stuff. Because I try to imagine how Balderdash became associated with language. So I picture these two guys sitting in an old bar somewhere, drinking their frothy mix of beer and buttermilk. Ew. Talking about balderdash. And one guy says something stupid. And the other guy says, That's as bad as this horrible drink that I'm drinking. Well, that's balderdash. It could have happened that way, sure. And it caught on, sure. But that's why I'm always interested in this kind of thing, because my imagination runs wild, and I start coming up with these 
backstories because I like to know why things happen, where they come from. How did this get to be the way it is? Now, I also know that there are things to worry about. I'm not denying there are things to worry about. If you're planning a trip to Europe, you have to worry about getting plane tickets, getting hotel reservations, making sure all the bags are checked, making sure your passport is updated. If you're going out on a date with someone you've never met before, you definitely want to have a nice-looking shirt. You want to have clean pants. You want to have a nice restaurant. Those are all legitimate things to worry about. But what I'm getting at is obsessing over things that you can control. Because if you're planning that trip to Italy, of course you're going to get airplane reservations. Don't worry about doing it. Just do it. Of course you're going to get hotel reservations. What if the hotel is horrible? Well, what if it is? If it is and you get there, pick a different hotel. Or make the best of it. You can't control what the hotel is like. All you can control is doing the reservation part. You can do your research and you can look into it and compare different hotels. But worrying about what if, what if, what if, I could have picked a different hotel. Yeah, you could have, but you didn't. So you make the best of it once you get there. But worrying about maybe it's going to be bad, it's a useless waste of your time and your energy. And that first date, of course you want to worry about having a good shirt and clean pants and making a good impression. But you don't want to obsess about it because you'll lock up. You'll make yourself crazy. So you put on your good shirt. You put on your clean pants. And you go on that date. And whoever it is, he or she, they take a look at you and go, (laughs) Oh, no, thank you. Or they take a look at you and go, Hubba hubba. But you won't know that until you go on the date. So don't worry about it. And if they go, (laughs) Oh, no, thank you. Well, then you move on. But obsessing about worrying about that happening for the week before the date, is going to make you nuts. And it's going to distract you from the other things you can do in your life. And that's what I'm warning against. That's what I'm telling you you don't have to lose energy over. That's what I'm telling you you can change to make your life a little bit better. Okay, worry about getting that nice shirt. Then get it, put it on, and see what happens. It's just that I I see so much energy wasted over unnecessary worrying. And what it really comes down to is this, and I guess this probably summarizes my philosophy the best these days. If the worst thing that can happen is not death or dismemberment, it's probably not that bad a deal. So, see what happens. My Mischief Night antics only lasted one year. And here's why. The year that I went out for Mischief Night, we decided to make it our mission to go across the street and toilet paper the new chain link fence that the new neighbors had put in. Right across the street, and I've told you the stories about Vinny and his great big yard. Vinny's yard was right across the street. And the new neighbors had moved in just to the right of Vinny's house. Now, before they moved in, Vinny's yard and their yard were not separated by anything more than a small hedgerow of plants and a small wooden fence. And so when we would play our sports games, our tag games, whatever it was, football, baseball, whatever, we would sometimes, as kids do, cross over onto the new neighbor's property. And we'll call them the meanies because that's what they were. They were very mean. So Mr. Meanie didn't like us crossing onto his property because he liked his 
grass, very green, and his bushes untrampled, and his flowers unsmushed. And we, as kids, didn't worry about stuff like that. So that summer, Mr. Meany put up a 200-foot-long chain-link fence from one end of his property all the way up to the other end of his property. He didn't fence in the entire yard. It was just a fence to separate his yard from Vinny's yard. The entire point being to make sure the kids weren't scrambling onto his property. As an adult, I now know it would be called a spite fence because that's what it was. He wasn't fencing in his yard. He was not doing anything except telling us kids, you're going to stay off my property. It didn't really affect our ability to play games. It was just one of those things that as a kid you look at and you go, really? It really bothered us. So when Mischief Night rolled around that year, we thought it would be a great idea to toilet paper his fence. So each of us kids went into our parents' linen closets and got as many rolls of toilet paper out as we felt that we could get away with without really being called out on it because the conversation would have been, where's all the toilet paper? What toilet paper, Mom? We just used it up. I don't think we used six rolls of toilet paper in a week. So we couldn't take all of the toilet paper. We could only take some of it. But we loaded up as much as we could. So under cover of darkness, we went across the street. Vinny came out of his house. We had a couple of neighbors from further down the street. We all gathered up with our toilet paper, and we started the process of running toilet paper through the chain-link fence. Now, unbeknownst to me, as I'm doing my section of the fence, one of the neighbors from down the street thought it would be a great idea to go ring Mr. Meany's doorbell and then run away, because that's what kids do. So we're busy threading toilet paper through the fence. And all of a sudden we hear the ding dong and then the hysterical laughter and the running footsteps and the door opens. Now, the lights on the house didn't extend out to the fence, but if there's kids huddled around a fence, you're going to see them from the porch. So we heard the door open and all of us dropped flat and didn't move as Mr. Meany came out on his porch and looked around. And you could hear him cursing under his breath. He's And he went back inside and slammed the door behind him. And we're a bunch of dopey little kids. So we go, and we start threading the toilet paper through the chain link fence again. So the kid who rang the bell thought it would be a great idea to do it again. And so we're busily threading the toilet paper through the chain link fence. And we hear the ding dong and the hee and the running away. And the door slams open again. You goddamn kids! It wasn't clear what Mr. Meany was saying, but it was clear that he was not in the best of moods having to go answer his door again. And once again, when the door slams open, we drop flat and don't move. And I could see the silhouette of Mr. Meany on his front porch, glaring out, looking for anything, looking for anyone to vent his anger on. And seeing nothing, he went back inside. We all breathed a sigh of relief. (sighs) Okay, back to threading the toilet paper. We're working fast now because we don't know if he's spying out the kitchen window. We don't know if he's lurking by the front door. So we want to get this job done. So we're working really quick now. I've got the end of the fence closest to the house. My buddy's in the middle. There's some other people up at the north end. And we're all threading frantically trying to get this done. I don't remember why the friend who rang the bell had a bag of stale donuts with him, but he did. How do I know this? Because he said, hey, why don't we throw these stale donuts at the house? 
I don't know why we would, but I didn't voice an objection because I didn't think he was actually going to do it. I was busy threading toilet paper through the chain link fence trying to get my job done so we could get the hell out of there before Mr. Meany came storming out one more time. But lo and behold, the rocket scientist who was with us and one of his buddies pulled out a couple of stale donuts and whipped them at the house. They were deadly accurate. They hit the metal screen door square on. Pekang! Pekang! The sounds of the donuts hitting that door rang out like gunshots in the night. We all froze and dropped in our spots because we knew what was coming. The door burst open. Mr. Meany came storming out of the house, came off of the porch, went right for the fence and started stalking up and down the fence. Now I'm lying there. I'm in a little gully at the south end of the fence, which is closest to the road and closest to my house. But I know that if I move, he's going to see me. Thank God he's going up to the north end of the fence. And I glance up and I see dark shadows take off across Vinny's yard into the field north of Vinny's house. And I see him give a few half-hearted running steps in their direction. You goddamn kids! And I keep my head down and I'm lying there and I can feel the sweat beating on my head and I'm starting to shiver because... I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I don't know what this guy is going to do. We call him Mr. Meany for a reason. And he starts stalking up and down the fence and he's getting closer and closer to me. And I know that he's going to find me if he keeps coming in this direction. And I'm just panting a little bit and I'm starting to spaz out just a tiny bit because I don't know what he's going to do. My 12-year-old mind is going crazy. I'm going to die here. And he's getting closer and he's getting closer and he back and forth, back and forth, up and down the fence, up and down the fence, expanding his search radius a little bit more every five steps. And he's getting closer and he's getting closer. And as he gets about five feet from me and looks away, I take this opportunity to run like hell. You goddamn kid, if I catch you, I'm going to cut your balls off. That's what's behind me as I sprint for my house. Oh my God, I'm in mortal terror. And I hear his footsteps behind me as I'm running across the street. And I don't know if he's going to be able to catch me or not. And I don't know if he's going to cut my balls off or not. Now, fortunately, I know the woods around my house really, really well. So instead of running for my driveway, I cut right for the woods. And one of those little pathways that I cut there when I was mowing the lawn so that I could hide in the woods quickly. That's what I made a beeline for. I headed right for that path, right through the woods. I go crashing up that path, crashing through the woods. I wasn't subtle about it. I was running to save my life and my balls. I didn't look back. I didn't stop moving. I kept running. I ran through the woods, up around the side of the house. I ran to the back of the house. I ran all the way around to my house, and I went to the back side door. I didn't even want to go to the front door because I didn't want him to know that it was me. Now, I don't know if he was still following me, but I believed he was. So I hustle through the woods, and I drop to my knees as I get to the back door, and I stop moving. I listen. I don't hear anything, but I don't know. Maybe he's lurking somewhere. So on my hands and knees, I finish crawling through the woods to the backside door where my parents are in the family room. There's a sliding glass door there, and I gently tap on the door. Just a little tap. And I see my dad in there, and he gets up from his chair, one of the rare times that he did. And he has this look on his face like, what the hell is wrong with my kid on all fours outside the family room? And my mom stood up and she said, you look pale. What's wrong? Are you okay? And I dive into the family room. Shut the door. Shut the door. I'm fine. What's wrong? Are you all right? What's wrong? Did you get in trouble? No, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I collapsed on the family room floor, safe 
in the warm embrace of my parents' quizzical looks. But I was there, alive, and with my balls intact. That's pretty much why I stopped going out for mischief night. One close encounter where my balls are in jeopardy, that's pretty much all I need to get me to stop doing an activity. Now, when I had kids, my kids also wanted to go through the ritual of going out for mischief night. And I gave them permission to go do it. Just don't get in trouble, kids. And make sure you protect your balls. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.